Hey, welcome to Playing for Keeps, the show where we take a deep dive into emotional intelligence, sex, love, adult attachment theory, mental health, therapy, and everything in between that creates great relationships. Your host, DJ, is a certified life coach and emotional intelligence practitioner. She's here to be of service to all the listeners interested in love and relationship. Now, here's your host, DJ. Hello, everyone. This is your girl, DJ, with Plan for Keeps podcast. I hope that everyone is doing well today during these trying times. Today, I have a special guest. Um, Lisa works with men and women to awaken the conscious parts of themselves that knows how to love deeply. Um, Lisa is a coach and counselor with 26 years of experience in personal growth and development, psychology, human behavior, with an emphasis on relationships, which includes the most important one, with oneself. Lisa enjoys nature, hiking, rock climbing, zip lining, organic gardening, dance, and music. She has two amazing daughters and loves living in the mountains of North Carolina. Lisa helps those that want to have a more fulfilling relationship in life. When she works with one aspect of a client's life that is holding them back, it tends to trickle down to other areas of their life. Love being the one thing we all crave at a deep level, we crave our true nature, our self-love, and to express that love to others. Looking inside ourselves can be the scariest part of life, facing our fears, demons, guilt, hurt, and trauma. Lisa makes this journey easier for her clients. She has gone through many life experiences so that she has the ability to understand others' pain and suffering. She has walked through and came out stronger, more loving, and able to face whatever comes up in life. She has officially climbed the mountain. Today, Lisa is here to speak on the masculine and feminine energies, um, dating and chemistry versus attraction, how we attract dysfunction while looking for chemistry. Welcome to the show, Lisa. So how are you today? I'm wonderful, DJ. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. No, most definitely. No, thank you for coming on. Um, someone with your expertise, I'm, I'm very happy that you decided to come on. So um, tell us a little bit just about yourself and, and what you've been doing within the last 26 years. <laughs> and life is a journey, right? Yeah. yeah. So within 26 years, I overcome domestic violence, which was pretty brutal. I was badly beaten up by my ex-husband after I had already left him. And so then a journey started in deep depression, like not wanting to live, not able to uh, barely function, not able to really love in a way that I wanted to. And so I began a journey on how to pull myself back up out of that situation to love myself and to understand how I get into situations, how I attract dysfunction. What is it about me that I needed to work on? Wow. And that became a passion, my self growth, my personal development. And it's been ongoing wow. ever since. Yeah. So with your with your research, what did you find that made you um, attracted to someone who put you in a situation like that? Well, okay. I grew I grew up in a 
I grew up in a, an era where you love someone, you get married, right? You know, yeah. And then, yeah. <laughs> so I didn't, I had, didn't have the ability to, to discern the different aspects of life. And so I fell in love and, and I thought that that's what I was supposed to do is get married to this person. I had no idea about codependency at all. And then, yeah, because he ended up having a drug and alcohol addiction later on into the relationship. Gotcha. So, yeah, so it was, it was more of a, a understanding of not needing to fix myself, but why, why, you know? So I, I began learning about the way that I was conditioned as a child, not only by my family, but society as well, and how that played into my decision to get married and ignored the red flags and ignored the gut feeling, which I had like 10 minutes before the wedding started, right? Wow. That thing where you just like, oh, I don't know if I can do this, right? Yeah. How do, you do you how, do you def- how do you dissect that from cold feet to, 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 not, to knowing that that's not the right person? Because well, sometimes that, it's just cold feet. Absolutely. And it's a journey, right? We learn. Yeah. And so we have to go inside and learn to uh, know thyself, right? Not yes. to be cliche, but to really know ourselves. That feeling meant this. This feeling means that. So I'm very excited to be here with you today. I'm a little bit nervous, but that's different than the gut feeling something's wrong. Right? Got you. Okay. Yeah. Did he display, like I know you said later on in the relationship, he um ended up having a drug addiction, alcohol. Did he have those behaviors before that gave you red flags or was it just something in your gut that, that told you it just wasn't right? I didn't know the signs because I grew up, and a lot of people do, grow up in a society where alcoholism is a social norm. We don't know how to differentiate between this is a little bit of alcohol and it seems okay versus this person can't stop drinking even if they have you know a six pack or two a week it doesn't seem like a lot but it escalated into drug use and um and i had no idea and and see divorce wasn't an option for me at that point in my life because i grew up in a family where if you get married you stay married (sighs) yeah wow so uh yeah and so but it was a wake-up call to me right like yeah, you don't, I don't want to eroticize, uh, you know, abuse in any way, but it was a wake up call for me. It's like, oh my gosh, wow, this was a big tip, pivoting point in my life where I had to say, I don't know if I want to live anymore. Wow, yeah, that's, that's and I had to get up every day until I could not function, I couldn't get up and brush my teeth. Wow, so, what, then, what go ahead. What happened for me was the doctors wanted to, you know, give me all kinds of drugs and that didn't work. As I watched a show back then, it was like a Dr. Phil show, but it was back in my time when I was much younger. (laughs) Sally, Jesse, Raphael, (laughs) that dates me, right? (laughs) And so there was people on her show that had been born with all kinds of deformities and challenges and their life was so much harder than the average person. And I started crying. I was like, if they can do it, I can too. Right. And so I picked myself up in that moment and I said, 
one way or another, I'm going to come out of this. I'm going to heal myself. And that was the moment where I started reading books. I started going to workshops and I started talking to people, learning as much as I could to figure out what it was I needed to do to heal myself. Do you remember what the first book that you picked up or do you remember any book in the beginning of your journey that, that helped you kind of just come to this um, revelation of really finding yourself and putting yourself back together in order for you to be healthy within a relationship? Well, I had originally gone to CODA uh, meetings and, and that was my first experience with it. But then after having another uh, relationship that wasn't abusive, but had actually just broken my heart because I had not dealt with the previous one, right? Yeah. I went to the bookstore and picked up a book called um, Commitment Phobia. Tell us a little it was bit about, about It was about people, mostly men that can't commit. And so... Okay. Yeah, that was the first book. Wow. So yeah. let me ask you this question. The first, I want to dig into this topic that um, you wanted to speak about. Mm -hmm. um, the one where you talk about chemistry versus attraction and how we attract this function while looking for chemistry. Tell us a little bit um, about that. Because I've, I've never heard of, of that terminology as far as... Um, while, well, I think I've heard of it, but I've never heard of it in that way. Like how you can attract this function looking for chemistry versus attraction. Like, I, I don't think I've ever heard of it in that way. Absolutely. So there's this uh, fallacy in society that chemistry is the sign that we look for, for compatibility. And depending on how your childhood was, whether how functional it was, your emotional attachment, True. your attachment theory that we discussed, right? Yeah. Yes. whether it was secure, anxious, or avoidant, then our brain has been wired to that. And we're going to have chemistry with a person that's matching dysfunction with us. Wow. I grew up in a very codependent family, right? Yeah. So the attractant to that is someone that has an addiction. Unbeknownst to me at the time, it happens within our brain within like just seconds that wow. chemistry where you get this oh, euphoria, right? It's like, oh yeah. my gosh, this person, right? I have chemistry. This is so right. And then you go into this like whole thing with brain chemicals through the honeymoon stage, right? Right. And when your brain is high on those chemicals, you're going to miss red flags. That is very, absolutely. very true. Absolutely. You put have it that to, way. Wow. Absolutely wow. will. And so there's a difference between attraction. Attraction is, yeah, I find this person attractive. They're very interesting. Maybe I'll have coffee with them again, right? Okay. And it builds slowly. See, but there's not that roller coaster ride where you're high and then you're low and then you're like, oh, you're longing for that, you know? I guess I thought of attraction kind of the same way as how you broke down chemistry because. Um, you know, you, you think a guy, maybe I put, you know, the guy looks good also within like my attachment theory because I have to, my attachment style, because I also have to find them very attractive in order for me to even ride that roller coaster. So I guess that's why my mind went to, um, attraction because they'll say that, you know, the movies like fatal attraction and things of that nature, like you automatically think, well, don't follow attraction either. Um, so what? Why do you think people get that misconstrued? Movies, media, just, you know, novels, romance stories, sure. right? And then 
you know, it's a societal thing where years ago we didn't marry for attraction or chemistry. It was for convenience, right? Sure. So we're still in our infancy stage of learning how to be in relationships with love instead of that chemistry. And we often mistake chemistry for love. That's, that's, right? that's, that's true too. That's it true is. Too. It absolutely is. And so it's about, as I said, a journey into yourself to really know what you really deeply desire in a relationship, compatibility, lifestyle, similarities, values that are shared and attraction. And, but if you have the one that feels like something just hit you with a ton of bricks, as far as a, wow, this person, you know, it's, that's a high, it's almost, and, and they do say that it is almost addictive as heroin. It's immediately. It, it, it is. How, that's, that's how, so is that, what you, is that like how you would tell somebody like to do, like to separate, I guess to kind of put in their mind, like when they get with somebody, like what, what do they look for? Like what feelings do they look for? Yeah. If they're looking for that, something hits you really hard feeling, chances are it's chemistry, which might not be a bad thing if you grew up with, a secure attachment. But if you grew up with a secure attachment, you're probably not looking for that hard hit kind of feeling either. And so we're looking at the reason why our brain gives us those strong chemist hormones is, is to let us know this is similar. And if you don't want similar (laughs) to what you grew up with, it's hard, but you, you know, it's usually good to walk away from that. So let's go into the attachment theories a little sure. bit. Are you are you familiar with each attachment style and, and what they all um, correlate? Just in case somebody's listening and they don't know what the attachment styles are. I do. I'm not an expert on the attachment style, but I do, and I'm familiar with the anxious, avoidant, secure, and I just recently started doing research on the disorganized, the fearful. Um, yeah. But I know the little bit. I, I don't know if you can kind of just help me out a little bit because I know I'm not an expert either but um I know people say you should aim for the secure like more more likely you were raised in a home where um there was no codependency um trying to think what else uh you know your parents were always there for you they they gave you space to be creative and do the things you wanted to do but at the same time they were always still around to support you if they needed you um anxious people who kind of have an anxious attachment style their childhood like you said i believe would probably have some definitely a lot of codependency within the household correct or abuse or abuse it, they grew up with uncertainty gotcha i know that's yeah, also for really the fearful yeah. as well too absolutely and I know with, with, with more anxious lovers um Anxious lovers, they tend to be the super clingy ones. They're all over their partner. Um, They're probably the ones that's always calling and texting, or if they're not always calling and texting because they're aware they're clingy, they they use their energy all the time. Mm -hmm. Like their partners are always in there, always on their mind. They're always thinking of their partners, basically making their relationship their identity. You know what I'm saying? And and losing themselves within the relationship. and then there's the fearful avoidant, the one that you said you just kind of studied up on. That I think they they say that's five percent of the population. I believe that it's way more. 
it's way more. 50 percent stats on that. Yeah. It's, yeah. 50 percent for secure. And then they say 25 percent. I think it's 25 anxious, 25 avoidant. And then there's but, like the little 5 yeah. percent for the I, fearful and yeah. fearful. Avoidant. And the fearful avoidant and dismissive avoidance are the same. But the difference between a fearful and a, and a dismissive avoidant is dismissive people. They tend to think that love is just, it's not necessary for survival. They may have grown up in child in, in a household where their parents weren't there for them or their parents were probably there and they just paid the bills and they didn't pay them any attention. So absolutely. They kind of, and then with, yeah. And then with fearful avoidance, definitely probably had a really traumatizing childhood where they, these individuals grew up where they want love, but they don't believe that they can receive it. So they may go into a relationship super heavy, super interested, and then realize that, okay, it's turning into something and they pull out because they feel a person is going to change their minds on them or whatever. And then sometimes it's not even within your household. Your attachment style could change within um, relationships as you grow up. And Absolutely. Crazy relationships. So that's just kind <laughs> of a short synopsis of what attachment yeah, theory a- is. <laughs> You have a pretty good grasp of it. And to be honest with you, as an adult, we can go through different attachment styles throughout our life, depending on the events that happened. And I have been anxious, avoidant, and secure. Me too. So, you know, and if something major happens in your life, uh, it can throw you back into one or other of those. So absolutely. And And it's something to pay attention to, because if you notice that you're attracting, in our case, men, that, you know, come on hot and heavy and super romantic. And then all of a sudden you're like, what happened? Right. Right. That's yeah. kind of what, you need to know that. That's kind of what started me on my journey officially. So with me personally, I, I, I think I mostly attracted guys who kind of had the similar attachment style as me. I'm more of an anxious person and they kind of justified my point. Like, okay, as long as I'm doing, doing, doing for them, they'll stick around. But this last guy I dated, it was it was the opposite. Like he was all in at first, but then he got real distant. And it kind of it didn't prove my I guess what I came up with in my mind of, of what makes a relationship work, right? So and it hurt me really bad because I put so much into the relationship and he kind of just was like, forget it. But then he also it taught me. So it well, it didn't teach me, but what it did, it made me really look at myself and really just kind of do research because I was so hurt behind the situation. So that's what led me on my journey to self-love and self-discovery because I didn't love myself. You know, I would go ahead, heal. I would go ahead in first into relationships, trying to prove that I was just this, this ultimate person from God. But in reality, I was forgetting the fact that I was looking for a suitable partner too. And I didn't realize that until after the breakup with the last person I was with. So isn't that amazing how breakups can be a huge gift? Yes. And it it brings you back home to yourself every single time because what you're left with is you. Right. And it's you. Right. Mm -hmm. And And if you take the opportunity to really look at yourself, look at the situation and, and, and try to do the work as well. Like, you will discover new things about yourself and you will grow if you decide to do that. There's a lot of people who will weep and then but they, they don't just sit with themselves. They'll just find somebody else. They'll jump into the next relationship and all you're doing really is blocking 
you're blocking the fact that you can actually grow within this pain because sometimes that's what it takes for you to learn. Yeah, Yeah, usually it takes pain. We don't get up every day and get excited when everything's wonderful and decide to grow. It's usually pain, suffering, (laughs) anger, resentment. That's going to push us. Yeah, unfortunately, it works in the human mind and the human brain. When you're (laughs) comfortable and you're stable, you don't really learn and you're comfortable. So you're not really grasping to learn anything really new. But then like when you're put in a position and you're uncomfortable, it forces you to grow, like you said. Mm-hmm. So the next topic where you talk about masculine and feminine energy, I'm, I'm really interested to, to kind of talk about it a little bit. I've talked about it before on my other podcast. Um, like I said in the past, I felt like I used a lot of my masculine energy within my relationships too. That's why I didn't work. Me, I'm an anxious person. I believe anxious people use a lot of their energy focusing on their partner mm-hmm. and you're not relaxing like you're supposed to in the relationship um and when you when you push out masculine energy and you're with another and you're with a man who also tries to display masculine who has masculine energy as well you tend to push them away because you're you're kind of taking over in a way absolutely you're You're competing competing. you don't even know you're competing it's kind of like um i'll use the example like when i'm in when i'm in a relationship I like to be the doer, like as far as I don't want him to feel like I need him like that. So he could come in and be like, hey, um, do you want me to do this for you? Like, no, I got it. And you're thinking you you look like the strong, independent woman. And you do, but you are blocking out a chance for intimacy because you're you're saying you you got it, you know, and it's kind of like in the back of his mind, he probably can't pinpoint it. But it's like, well, what do you need me for Um, if he's really... Well, you're rejecting his offer to, to feel really good about doing something for you. Right. Absolutely. So I just, I want to preface this, this masculine energy and feminine energy is not sexist. It's a choice. It's something that each person has to decide for themselves. And some people actually choose androgyny, which is fine. But if you notice that in your case, we discussed about masculine feminine, if you notice it's not working for you and you notice that you tend to be slam dancing in your relationship or competing, then maybe time to look at that energy and see how you can be complementary in your energy and allow certain things. And, you know, it's it's an ebb and a flow, right? It's a dance. It's a dance. And if you're slam dancing, you're dancing, but it's, it can be a challenge. Yeah. And if you like slam dancing, go for it. You know, you do. But I notice when I talk to women, often they say, you know, I just don't feel the passion that I did in the beginning. Yeah. And so it's about polarities. So what, what, um, what advice would you, would you give to a woman who seems to struggle with, um, that balancing that energy like i know for feminine like what i recently learned feminine energy it's not just about like what men like what people think is like just you know rah rah like you know masculine feminine like feminine energy is more of sitting back creating while masculine is more of like the doing energy what um what advice would you give to a woman or anybody who struggles with that? Because even men, sometimes men also struggle with balancing their energies too. Like they have too much masculine energy and then they can't even relate to their, their female counterparts either. Well, Um, some men are in their feminine energy and that's what they feel good with. And that's absolutely wonderful. Uh, But you know, 
it might work better to be looking for a masculine energy woman. And some women absolutely love being in their masculine energy and they love to pursue the man and they love the one to be the doer or the fixer and the pursuer. So, but feminine energy is about being, feeling, receiving, and it's not about always being feminine. We sometimes switch hats, right? And and as you and I discussed, our work can be very masculine oriented, but when in a relationship you change hats, and that's, I think that's where people struggle. Cause I know when we had our, our, our initial conversation, I explained to you with my, with my job as um, in HR and as a recruiter, you're, you're constantly trying to be the best out of the group. As a recruiter, you want to hit those numbers. You want to get the most employees hired, blah, blah, blah. And then I would carry that off that energy also into my relationship, not knowing that that's what I was doing, mm-hmm. you know? And then you're in a way you self-sabotage the relationship depending on what you're doing because you're, you're kind of competing with somebody who, who wants to show you that they want to be there for you and you don't know how to let them do that. Absolutely. Um, a question for you on that. Sure. Do you feel that women who, who, who do that, do they, do they not trust themselves? So they have issues trusting other, uh, somebody in a relationship. There can be vulnerability issues. They can be. Uh, but I, a lot of people are confused. Society teaches us very different dynamics, right? Than what I'm talking about, you and I, right? And so mm-hmm. it's a lot of it is just confusion, right? Like, and as a mother, I use the example a lot. We're not always in mother mode, but when we're with our children, we go into mother mode. And so we right. change our hats, right? We don't go into our children with the same energy we do at work. So we actually do know how to change hats. We just haven't actually thought about changing hats when we're with our partner, right? Yeah, and so it's about knowing it. It's like I use the analogy, it's if you're ballroom dancing, right? One partner leads, the other follows, right? Because you can't have two leaders and you can't have two followers. And so you can change roles, but in that moment, one is leading and one is following. And so it's just, it's, it's, it can be actually quite beautiful to watch ballroom dancing. And the same goes for a relationship with um, masculine, feminine energy. So it really isn't about gender. It can, it happens in same sex couples as well. So it's just about what feels better to you. What turns you on? Where do you thrive? Do you thrive better in relationships when you're the feminine or do you thrive better in a relationship when you're in the masculine? That makes sense. So let me let me ask you this. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. No, that makes sense. That analogy was great. No, that analogy was great. Let me ask you this. So, um, just as far as relationships with your personal, what was the hardest thing you had to learn and that you incorporate today? Oh wow, there's so many. (laughs) There's so many. You can name a few if you want. Well, at different stages of my life, I learned different things, right? So okay. as we talked about in, in my earlier years, I had to understand about the dynamics of attracting dysfunction and how we were wired by our a family of origin and that our brains are going to automatically go towards that or bring it towards us. So that was the biggest lesson for me then. And, and it took a while for me to get 
there. It's not like a, a switch you just turn on or off. No, it's a not. process, right? And mm -hmm. and then later in life, the masculine energy, feminine energy was the biggest lesson because I and I, I remember clearly sitting at my computer, really getting that moment where it's like, oh, that's it, right? And I just sobbed for hours. Wow. I had totally shut down my feminine energy because I was a single mom and I happened to be in a relationship uh, that had ended not too long ago with a, a feminine energy man. And it just was like on paper, it looked good, but we always felt like we were competing and it just was like hitting each other and it just didn't work. And then I realized, Oh my gosh, I've shut my feminine down. And I'm in masculine mode most of the time. And that was huge for me. Huge. And once I made shifts in that, I started attracting completely different men. Completely. Was it like instantly or was it like? No, but it, it was, it was <laughs> like, oh my gosh, this is so yummy. I missed it all these years, you know? Oh. Where have you been all my life? <laughs> right? You know, it's like, oh my gosh, yeah. So learning to allow my feminine energy to be there at certain times in my life, right? Yes. Yeah. And I still turn my max masculine on when I'm at work. Yeah. Got you. Okay. How do you um, mentally like turn it on and off? Like as far as work, do you, is it, is this, I'm sure it's probably something that may come natural now, but in the beginning when trying to just figure this all out, like what did you do? Um, I, um, I used a lot of techniques uh, around feeling and being and imagining receiving allowing men to open car doors for me and saying, thank you. And just feeling really good about it. Right. Yes. And not saying, I can do it myself. Right. Cause I could, and he yeah. knows I can't. Right. But allowing him to do that for me and not having to do anything and just say, Oh, wow, that felt so good. Thank you. I love that when you opened the door for me. And so it was practice, a lot of practice, men in grocery stores, open doors, you know, it's just, it's practice. It's like anything else. Right. Yes. That, that's amazing. So did you literally like sit within yourself and just kind of, just kind of think, just think different scenarios out and then eventually it just kind of played out in real life? It did, you know, and I, and I have this, this visualization that I use for women that want to be in their feminine energy, right? It's like, I just like picture um, a container, a, a beautiful vase or something, and it's full of love, right? And mm -hmm. what color is love to you? Pink is my color of love, right? And it's glittery, right? It's just glistening. And I pour it over my head. See, as I'm talking about it, I get chills, right? Yes. And I just allow all that to just pour over me and just cover me in pink glitter, nice. right? And I get goosebumps on my arms every time I do this, even now, years later. And it works really well. And so when I'm on a date with a guy, right? And I notice, oh, I think maybe I need to like, receive more here and just be in the moment and feel I take the picture and pour it over me. And all of a sudden I notice he shifts. That is amazing. Quite amazing. It is quite that, amazing. That is amazing. And, I'm, and I'm, I'm glad you're speaking about this on, on, um, on this podcast, because that is something I, I definitely um, agree with visualization, even sitting there, met, uh, even medit meditating. I know meditating helps me. Like if I'm feeling anxious or if I'm feeling any type of way. I, I believe in meditation and visualizing while I'm meditating too. And 
I've also have experienced the same things. And when you feel good about something and you continue to, and you really believe in this thought, it does make a shift and it, it, it comes miraculously into your life in some kind of way. So I'm a big believer in that. Mm-hmm. Um, so dating, you talked, mm-hmm. you just talked a little bit about dating. What tips would you give um, daters that are, you know, out there dating and um, they just need just advice not to do the same things that they've done in the past or attract the same people that they've attracted in the past. Mm, A lot of dating tips. Okay. Well, we talked about masculine feminine energy. So I think it's important if you're dating to really try to get with yourself and understand which energy you want to be most of the time in the relationship. Right. And then dating is about relaxing and getting to know someone. And sometimes we go in with this, like bull in the China cabinet kind of thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And I feel that it, it, it leaves a lot to be experienced by just listening to someone. Right. And getting to know them slowly, gradually and not feeling the pressure to hurry it up. Right. Right. Cause that's a because, lot. Yeah. Right. I know that's something I'm through in the past too. I would rush, be rush, rush, rush. If it moves slow, I'm kind of like, okay, is he feeling me? Is he not feeling me? Like what's going on? Like that's yeah. how I used to think, you know, but if it, it doesn't have to be like this deer in headlights kind of thing. And I know that's what I was used to too. Like just fast paced. Let's, let's go, let's go, let's go. And it doesn't have to always be that way. No, so. it's not an end result here. And, and, and right. for the record, marriage is not an end result. It is the beginning of a journey. Right. And so it's not an end result. And so with that said, uh, how would dating be different if you're interested in knowing how you feel about him and you're not concerned about how he feels about you? Are you into him and replaying the conversation? How did I feel when he said this? How did I feel when he looked at me? How did I feel when he touched me gently on the shoulder? right? Right. And so we get focused on the other person because we're wanting to avoid rejection. Yeah. And that, yes. Yes, that's uh, very true. That is very true. You can I think go through why, date. Go ahead. No, that's what I'm saying. I think that's why in the past I would get into do, do, do mode because rejection just was just a no-no for me. Right. So, we want to avoid it, right? Right. By all yeah. by all means and but, all costs. That's why I said when I finally, I kind of got, because I'm used to being the one to be like, okay, well, I'm done with the situation. I'm tired of it. And when the guy broke it off with me, it was like, wait, what? You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. He was sensing your vibe. He yeah. definitely was. And I, so. I, you know, I have great appreciation for him now. I don't know if I will tell him that in person, but. <laughs> I- <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. And so it's, it, if you look at it as a, as a process, you go have coffee, tea or drink, whatever. Right. And you yeah. make it short. You listen to what they have to say. You, you go home and you. You know, you just sit with yourself. How did that feel? And guys do this sometimes better than women. And, I think um, so too. So then all you have to do is decide, do I want to do it again? That's the biggest decision you have. And not romanticize over the event. That's why making it short, I think, is important too. Because I know um, a lot of women will sit and romanticize over an event too. Or make it more than what it really was in the beginning. Um, would you agree with that too? Absolutely. And so he didn't text, right? And then you just go into this whole thing, right? right? Okay, well, first off, if he doesn't text, that's information. 
And if you don't allow it to trigger you, then you can say, oh, wow, he didn't text. That's interesting. And then wait and see what happens next. But we right. get caught up in the end result that we're constantly trying to make up some kind of story in our mind about what that means Right. that he didn't text. And I you think never know. That's, that's a, I think that's a good way to look at it. Like stop looking for an end result. You know what I'm saying? Just kind of enjoy the, enjoy it. Enjoy the ride. You know what I'm saying? I think Absolutely. that's a good way to definitely look at it. And that's a way that we normally don't look at it. And I think it's because of what kind of what we've all kind of been taught. Like marriage is the goal. Like that's still being like pushed upon everybody from generation to generation to generation. Like marriage is the ultimate goal, which, okay, that's, that's cool. But sometimes when you rush for that goal, you end up in crazy situations. Like oh, you what do you mentioned most of before. the time. Yeah. Right. So, 60, yeah, 60 something you know? percent of people. Absolutely. We've got a lot of beliefs that society has given us that don't serve us very well. Right. right. And so, yeah. And so don't rush it. Don't rush it and just allow it. And with women in particular, here's the thing. Don't date just one guy at a time. You start meeting other guys and talking to them. You have coffee with three or four guys a week. See if you like which ones you like the better than the other. They call you, they text you wonderful. If they don't, you have and other options. Options. What advice would you give to a woman who like, okay, me, even I, I still have this mind frame. I can't juggle two, three guys. Would the advice be to stop looking for the end result? Because I think that's what I've, what I've been doing. Like I'm looking for the end result. So I'll focus on one guy at a time. What advice would you give to a woman who says, I can't juggle dating two, three, four guys at a time? You'd be surprised. <laughs> okay, so do you meet more than two or three people a week in your life that aren't romantic endeavors? And can I mean, you juggle I do them? Through, through work, yeah, I juggle a lot. Yeah. There you go. Okay, so <laughs> is it possible that it's a mindset that you can't do it? I definitely think it's a mindset. Again, it's what we've been conditioned to think. Like, it's just not, it's not right for you to be doing this, then the third. But if nothing's established, again, that's it's kind of romanticizing again. Like, you're romanticizing your, yeah. So, yeah, if nothing's established, then it should be okay. So, these are like roadblocks. I know I have, and a lot of women have. They feel like it's just, it's a forbidden. You're not supposed to do it. Or if it's not forbidden, then it's, oh, well, I can't do that. You know, but in well, reality, like you said. Well, a lot of people think it's dishonest. How? How is it dishonest? True. You haven't committed to anything, right? Very no, true. it's just coffee. It's just a first date, right? right. It's right. just a first date. But we're reading way too much into it. We can't handle more than one guy at a time. Is that true, right? Yeah, but yeah. so see, we're attaching to someone immediately, whether we know that they're worth being attached to or not and you aren't exclusive until you decide mutually to be exclusive now whether that involves sex or not that's entirely up to you but if you're going to have sex outside of an exclusive relationship be prepared that the other person may not feel the same way as you so it's about making conscious choices and being clear on where your boundaries are and what you want right right Okay, so this is all the time we have today, but where can the listeners find you? I have uh, a Facebook page, uh, Consciously Awake Counseling. I have a website, consciouslyawakecounseling.com. And I'm also on Twitter and 
Pinterest. Okay, awesome. So all of that will be in the show notes as well. Lisa, I want to thank you again for coming on. It's been a wonderful pleasure. Thank you very much. Awesome. And I want to thank all of the listeners who tuned in today. Um, if you have any questions, you can also email info at P, the number 4kdating.com. And until next time, you guys have a great one. Thank you for tuning in to today's show. If you like this podcast, please download and subscribe. If there's anything you would like to talk about in regards to relationships or would like to be a guest on the show to speak on relationships or get advice, you can always connect via social media at Playing for Keeps or email DJ at info at P, the number four, K, dating.com. Thank you for tuning in and bye for now.